This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity and Business Podcast. I'm thrilled today to visit with Amber Walsh. Amber is a long-term member of the executive committee at Mike McGuire Woods, a partner, also lives at this intersection of healthcare and private equity. She's going to talk to us today about an issue that's arisen more and more the last few years, and this is longer hold periods for private equity funds, some by design, some not, and a lot more. Amber, let me ask you to take it away. I'll turn it to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, so I have been observing some phenomenon in private equity investment hold times that I'll share here, but I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of another hold time, another type of investment commitment and horizon, which is our longtime commitments for many of us to our beloved sports teams. So let me start with just the private equity investment hold times and how those have changed in the past couple of decades. So it used to be more than 20 years ago that you would hear a typical private equity hold time, meaning the period of time in which the fund invested in the particular asset, the portfolio company before an exit, being typically five years. But last year that rose as high as 7.1 years which is the longest since 2020. But it wasn't just a glitch. We all know there's been a lot of discussion amongst your guests, myself included, that 2023 was a lighter year for exits, intentionally so for a variety of reasons. But the hold periods actually have been steadily lengthening since 2020, going longer and longer almost every single year of the past 23 years except for a few periods of robust exit activity, like in 2021 and 2022. So we've gone from sub five-year hold periods to now 7.1. Now, many people think it's gonna go back, um, kind of equalize, but maybe never to an average of five years. And for the healthcare investors, healthcare as an industry falls right in the middle of the pack. Um, there's not a lot of variation amongst different industries in terms of investor hold periods. It really depends more on the particular portfolio company than it does on the industry. But that's what we've been seeing in terms of hold periods. Talk about hold periods for a second. I mean, certainly the last couple of years when valuations have softened some and debt has got very expensive, a lot of people chose not to go to market right that. It's almost like the IPO market closed as well. How much is that an impact, just the pure timing of markets and interest rates and so forth impacting hold periods, or is it deeper than that? Is there more to it than that? I think it's both. I think it's absolutely an impact, but if that was the only impact, the interest rates that kind of stymied the M&A market in the past 18 months, if that was the only thing that would influence a hold period, then you wouldn't have seen this steady increase pretty much every single year over the past 23 years. And I think there's two things going on. I think it's that, that put in a more immediate and dramatic halt on exits, which naturally lengthens the time that a private equity fund invests in a portfolio because they're not gonna approach the market for an exit when it's just not a good time, if they're not gonna get the right valuation. But I do think there's other things going on as well. And a lot of that is opportunity for value creation 
for your investors other than purely through an exit. And I do think in, at least in healthcare private equity, there's a lot more comfort and frankly, a lot more enthusiasm by investors for really trying to make a difference in that holds co or excuse me, that investment in a lot of other ways, enhancing compliance, efficiencies, investing in technology, et cetera. So I think all these things are going into lengthening hold times. Thank you. And do you think that somewhat, you've had this, last year people talked about the year of efficiency because people did very few acquisitions and deals and they focused much more on making their companies more efficient and trying to find other ways to improve them and so forth. But still tough year for margins, particularly in the healthcare private equity area. Hopefully that evolves and changes some. You've also got a situation where some buyers, private equity funds, are, when they have successful deals, they're sometimes finding having a hard time finding new deals. And thus, for a different reason, they, know they end up holding on to their good deals because it's hard to deploy more capital. They put them into continuation funds and so forth. So a lot of fascinating things in that. So talk about those hold periods. And that enthusiasm for holding things longer, a lot of investors don't love it, not so much the LPs, but the GPs, because now they don't exit and take out the bigger paydays they thought they'd be taking out from time to time. But talk a little bit about some of the other analogies, analogies in life and sports and so forth. And, and you know, I, I, you were talking about being a Chiefs fan, being a, being a Cubs fan. Talk about long holding periods and staying with things. Absolutely. And and I'm sitting here as a 40-year Chiefs fan. I'm actually older than 40 years old, but I really, really became a true Chiefs fan when I was in about sixth grade. And I am talking to you as a longtime Cubs fan, who you want to talk about a franchise that you really had to hold out until that, that big payday in the 2016 World Series. But as a Chiefs fan, I've been thinking about this a lot, and it may seem like a really silly analogy to talk about private equity hold times and the investment that we make as sports fans into our teams, but I think there's a lot of similarities, and of course, there's a lot of contrast. The biggest contrast, of course, is that for the most part, most private equity funds are making decisions about their hold times based on largely rational bases. Are they always right? Of course not. But they're pretty rational decision makers with a little bit of emotion flavored in. Obviously, as sports fans, the investments that we make in our team, the length of time that we are committed to them, that we hold on to a particular team in some multi-generational way sometimes is very irrational in many ways. There's a couple of ways that I think you can see the rationality come in, but it's it's really interesting because in many ways we do the same thing as sports fans. We invest our time, our money, our emotion. We sometimes the highs and lows of our days, our weeks, our months are dependent on the performance of our beloved sports teams. I mean, you just have to Google TV smashing in the NFC championship. And you'll see all these YouTube videos of just absolutely distraught Lions fans and Ravens fans from the AFC championship. It's just absolutely ludicrous behavior. And yet I participate personally in the same behavior. So there's absolutely nothing but camaraderie and empathy for me when I see that, which is 
irrational. I have the hardest time seeing you. I see the long hold periods for teams for sure. I have the hardest time seeing Amber Walsh, professional lawyer, entrepreneur, brilliant leader, throwing her TV and, and breaking her. I don't see that. I don't see it. Well, I have you smashed the TV. Okay. I have never smashed the TV. I am glad my children and my husband are not participating in this interview because they would have plenty of uh, irrational reactions that I've certainly had in many, many Chiefs fans over the Chiefs games, excuse me, over the years. Well, understandably so. I mean, for the for the it, it's so funny because like for the for the Lions, who took thirty years to get back to winning a playoff game, you could see how upset they were to get that close and then lose. For the Cubs, there's very few moments where we're that close where you can get that invested. I mean, you know, I, I was young at the time, very young at the time, 1969, when the Cubs sort of fell apart entirely. But there's very few years where they actually get close. You don't have that feeling of, like, we're almost there where you're ready to smash the TV. It's usually by June, July, the Cubs are moving in the wrong direction. You know, we'll see. I think, you know, I think about hold times. I think about the Bears have to make a current decision on – Justin Field, Fields and figure out whether he could be a, a real winning, great quarterback in the NFL. You know, and then you look at Patrick Mahomes, five years in the league, four times in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's an unprecedented, unprecedented streak. And and you know, I I come back to hold periods. You know, can can they? Will Patrick Mahomes be a twenty-year starter for the Chiefs and do unbelievable things? And, and where will the Bears go in the quarterback situation? When you talk, when I think about hold periods. My mind goes to that in this incredibly challenging situation developing quarterbacks in Chicago. Well, and it, it's eventually that hold period as a fan, it pays off. So I, I became a Chiefs fan in the mid-80s in the uh, going into the Marty Schottenheimer era. He actually didn't come in until the 90s, but Steve DeBerg, quarterback. You mentioned quarterbacks. You know, I went through the series of really painful quarterbacks, even though the Chiefs were fairly successful in the 90s. Then really painful periods, 40 years. But it has paid off because, to your point, we've had appearances in four of the last five Super Bowls and hopefully we'll win another one here in two weeks. So that long hold period investment, Hopefully, it's going to pay off as opposed to the poor Lions who have never made it to the Super Bowl just even one single time to even make it there, much less never have a win. No, it's really something. Marty Schottenheimer, great offensive genius, great coach, fascinating. I I remember, uh, you know, being a kid and watching Jan Stenerud and Lenny Dawson, and those were great players from the Chiefs. And I, I am you've you've made it very clear you've been a fan for forty years, and you're not that old. Me, I am really dating myself when I talk about Jan Stenerud and I talk about Len Dawson and so forth, and great Chiefs teams of a very very long time ago. But no, it, it is uh it is it is a fascinating thing. It's like you see private equity, but sticking with companies longer, sometimes by design, sometimes by no choice, sometimes because of market reasons and stuff like that. We do stick with our sports teams virtually forever based on, you know, where we became Wilson to begin with. And I do think sometimes as a Bears fan, it would be good for me to pick up one more franchise to, to, to cheer for. But it has to be a franchise that's not like winning all the time. You can't, you can't, like, there's nothing worse than a sports fan who became a Yankees fan when they were great or, or they became a Cowboys fan like our, one of our colleagues became a Cowboys fans when the Cowboys were great. I mean, it's, it's, um, 
I think that's that's not right to pick a great franchise and become a fan of theirs when they're great. It seems like I'd have to pick the Browns or something like that. That's still, you know, is, you know, where you can get behind them, but they're not so dominant. Like I couldn't become a Chiefs fan now because they're so, they're too good. Yeah, absolutely. The other interesting phenomenon that kind of connects our passion and our investment in our sports back to the, the true investment is the phenomenon of the publicly traded sports team. So when the Braves had their public offering recently, the entire Walsh fan, and we're talking extended Walshes all over the country, all were so overjoyed to be able to now truly own a piece of the Braves. And there's now several, of course, NBA, NHL, other NFL teams where you can do that, which I think is such a fascinating phenomenon that I love that because it actually starts to make an otherwise irrational investment that we make in our sports teams have some degree of rationality on top of all the other benefits, of course, that come with being a fan, social identity, all of those things. But it's another phenomenon that I love that that kind of ties it all back together to where I frequently think about your investment as a true financial investor with your investment as a sports fan, that emotional investment, they tie together in a lot of ways. Oh, fascinating. It's almost like in the, in the Green Bay Packers were one of the first branches to have that kind of situation. We've not had that in Chicago. The McCaskies still own it uh, for better or for worse. Amber, I, I've witnessed what you're talking about on the business front, the longer hold times for private equity funds in their companies. I can feel and empathize with the concept of this longer hold times for sports for sports franchises that would cheer for it to become very hard as a Chicago fan, but I get it entirely. Thank you for joining us again on the Becker Private Equity Business Podcast. Always great to visit with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott.